Amen. Time for the kids to go to Super Church, third grade and under. Just follow the adults out. The rest of you can turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Man, I got to tell you, Southern gospel music, I think I actually heard Debbie go all the way down those keys. Is that allowed in a Baptist church? I don't know. That was good, huh? I think Nick even said the word excitement. Man, <laughs> that's kind of scary. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've, we've been talking about the church the last four or five weeks and, and really talking about some things that, that I believe God is calling us back to. Things that have been scriptural all along, things that have been, you know, the way the church should be, and yet things that have kind of gotten forgotten, forgotten because of individualism, forgotten because of some false teaching that spread abroad throughout the world, not just not just around here, but this false teaching that says, you know, the church is just not that important anymore. What's more important today is just to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and Honestly, it's important to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the church is the context with which you grow that personal relationship with Jesus. There's no way around it. You can't get around it. God's Word speaks about the, the, the great love that God has for the church, the great power of the church, the great purpose of the church, and most importantly, the great head of the church, which is Jesus Christ Himself. And so here we have this dilemma that's been kind of shared falsely that says, you know what? You don't need to be a part of a church. You don't need to serve within the context of the church. You don't need anybody else to help you grow. You don't need to invest your life in anybody else. Live your life by yourself and you'll be just fine. But that's not Scripture. It's not. It doesn't matter what you think, what you say, what you claim, what you hope for, what you want. It's not Scripture. I mean, the first week we talked about the fact that in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says, And God gave Christ as head over the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. About the fact that the church is the fullness of Christ. It is what he uses in this world to work out his plan and his will and his purpose and just how incredible that makes the church today. Man, we are important as the body of Christ. We talked in the weeks between then about Ephesians chapter 4 and how we ought to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, which means we ought to walk with such depth that we reflect what Christ has done for us. And it says the way to walk in Ephesians 4 is to walk with humility toward one another, to walk with patience toward one another, to walk with tolerance in love toward one another, preserving the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. Now that's shocking, isn't it? Because if we would say, what does God want for us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling? We list off a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts, but we would not list walk together as the church. We wouldn't list it because honestly, we don't think it. Then we talked about why would God say, do we need to walk this way with one another? And we talked about the fact that that the scripture goes on to say, man, there is one body, not many. There is one hope of the calling with which we've been called. There's one spirit, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God who is over all and in all and through all. And we see that God's saying to us, look, man, when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I bring you together. I bring you together. You are one body serving one Lord, one God through one spirit. You have the same faith. You have the same baptism. You have the same 
you're one, not many. And then we talked about how in that unity he displayed that diversity. We talked about giving gifts to his children and how he gave some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, right? For the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. And we talked about how God has said, not only are we one body, but that he gifts us so that we can build up one another and so that we can build up his body. Is that your purpose, believer? Did you even think that your purpose in following Jesus Christ was to build up the body? Are you living that individual life that says, my only purpose is to take care of me and do what I need and do what I want and go where I want? Because, man, that's not Scripture. Not in any way. And then we talked about last week how God challenges us to leave behind the childish ways to grow spiritually so that we're not tossed about by every wind and doctrine, every deceitful thought, every trickery presented to us, but we are to grow deep spiritually. It's part of our purpose as a church so that we can speak the truth to one another in love so that we together as the body can grow up into the full measure and the likeness of the head which is Jesus Christ. I mean, do you understand God is putting a high premium on the church and how we respond to one another because it is His body. It is the source that He works through. It is the thing that He uses today not only to impact each of us as believers, but to impact this world. And man, i got to tell you, that is a huge change from what most of us think. It's shocking to me today how many people tell me they don't feel like they need to be committed to a church. How many people say they don't believe in church membership? And we may get to that still sometime. How so many people tell me they don't feel accountable to anybody but themselves and maybe God if they really get down to it. How so many people see there's, there's no purpose in walking together. It is shocking to me. No wonder the church is so weak. No wonder the church has no guts. Because everything is supposed to give us strength and everything is supposed to give us guts and courage. Everything that's supposed to make an impact in this world has been taken out by lies. And the church has been left as some insignificant heap on the garbage dump. And that's not the church that Christ established. He bought the church with His blood. That's how precious we are to Him. He tells us that He will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's how powerful the church ought to be. And I'm here to tell you that God's calling us back to a better understanding of the church. And if you are a believer here, man, I promise you that God is calling you to a whole different view of who you are. And I know, I know that some of you are saying, if that's true, I've got to change a lot of things. I've got to change my attitude about where I'm going to be when the church worships together on Sunday morning. Let me just tell you, no matter what your excuses are, fishing, or golfing, or sleeping, or playing, or whatever, is not where you need to be. I don't care what your excuse is. I've heard them all. I know how people justify it. I know people say we got freedom in Christ, do whatever we want to. That's hogwash. And the church coming together to worship together, encourage one another together, to be taught the Word of God together, and to grow together, that's still God's call. When He said, I gave you six days to work and one day to rest, that doesn't mean you get to go play. 
That means you rest in Him. You grow in Him. I know that's offensive to some of you, but that's okay with me. It is. It's not my words, His words. Man, we've got to change a lot of things. Some of you are here this morning, and man, you have never, ever, 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 ever sought God to serve God. Never sought His will. Never sought His place in the church. Never sought His, his giftedness in the church. Never sought Him because you don't care. Because your life is all about you. Well, i got news for you today. Scripture is going to change your mind about that. And then you're going to be faced with another dilemma. What am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with the truth of God's Word that says, I've been gifted and I've been called and I'm to go and be a part of the body of Christ? Well, let's just, let's just recognize now that the grace of God is found in all these calls to us to change. <clears throat> it's not a burden. It's not horrible. It's not a sacrifice for us to give up things for the name of Jesus Christ. He did all the sacrifice. We get all the blessings. Let's just acknowledge, even before I read the Scriptures, that there needs to be some things changed, maybe in many hearts here, maybe yours. Man, if we'll acknowledge that and say, God, would you speak to us and change us? Give Him the freedom to do that. Then all the fun that we just had, clapping, stomping, snorting, and playing our piano, will that'll pale in comparison to the joy we'll have in walking with Jesus. Amen? By the way, I kind of like stomp and snort. I'm not so bad. I enjoyed it greatly. But there's nothing like following Jesus. Man, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministry and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I praise you for your word. I praise you for the depth of it and the grace of it and the power of it. And I ask, Lord God, that you'd speak through your word this morning. That you'd speak directly to our hearts. You'd cut through all the excuses that we have. You'd cut through all the fear that we've built up. You'd cut through all the rebellion that we have laid before you. We just pray you'll cut through all that stuff and speak to us, Lord, and change us. Help us realize the great privilege it is to be called by you to be your son or daughter. The great privilege it is to serve you. The great joy it is to be a part of your body. Help us realize that that adjusting our lives to you, Lord, is a joy, a sweeter joy than anything else we know. And Father, as you work in our hearts today, be glorified. And Father, for those that are here that don't know you, Savior, may today, even today, be the day of their salvation. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Man, this is a crazy passage of Scripture. These are some of the the simplest verses in all of Scripture, and yet they're so simple that, that most of the time we just pass by them as if they're insignificant, and they are anything but insignificant. If you read verses 1 through 3, you'd see that, that God, through the Apostle Paul, wants the believers in Corinth to be aware of their spiritual gifts and to be aware of what that means. I mean, obviously, if you read through 1 through 3, you'll find out that there were some people abusing spiritual gifts. Apparently, they were putting too much emphasis on them in certain places. Apparently, they were claiming spiritual gifts when they were actually denying the truth of jesus christ and saying that jesus was accursed and paul says man nothing that says jesus is accursed is from god your spiritual gift or not it's not from god and so he's trying to teach him about spiritual gifts and he he comes to verse four and he very simply begins laying out spiritual gifts for us and it's remarkable because verse four says now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit now again i know that sounds pretty simple 
But the gifts that he's speaking of here are actually called grace gifts. These are gifts that we don't deserve. They are gifts that we don't earn. They're gifts that are given to us by God, and they are gifts that are chosen for us by God. When it comes to spiritual gifts, no matter what you want or what you think, you don't get to choose them. Matter of fact, it's one of the coolest things that you can think about as a follower of Jesus Christ is that once you know Him as Lord and Savior, He chooses to give you a gift, a spiritual gift, that's used by God in your life to enable you to serve Him and work in this world for His glory. You don't do it on your own. It's not about what you know. It's not about what you can do. It's not about your talents. Whenever we talk about serving in the Lord, a lot of people say, well, my talent or my interest is this. I'm not talking about your talent or your interest. I'm talking about what does God want to do in your life so that you can see God displayed in your life. See, that's what a spiritual gift is. It is something that God gives you that only He can use so that the world will see Christ in you and you'll get to know Him better and better. It's an incredible thought, honestly. And, and I know some people, they're like, well, spiritual gifts are kind of strange for them. For some people, spiritual gifts are a source of pride. Well, I've got one that you don't have. That makes me better than you. Well, i got to tell you, God does not give gifts to make you better than another believer. How ridiculous is that, right? He washed you by the same blood. He washes the other believers. He saves you by the same grace. He saves the other believers. He loves you by the same depth. He loves the other believers. And He's surely not going to Take off that path just to give you a special gift. Man, spiritual gifts are not about pride. I know some people that, man, if they don't get what they consider to be the right gift, they pout and go home and don't do anything. Listen, man, God handpicks the gift He wants you to have. There are varieties of gifts. That means I don't have to have the same gift as the silver-tongued preacher on TV. Thankfully, I'm not very silver-tongued. Uh, I don't have to be, you know, gifted in political correctness like some of the TV preachers are because I'm not very politically correct. I don't have to preach 20-minute sermons like some of the TV preachers do because I don't know how to do that. I don't have that gift. And honestly, that's okay with me. And you don't have to have my gift. God didn't call you to have that gift. By the way, just as a sidebar... Some people say, well, until I know my spiritual gift, I'm not going to serve the Lord. Let me just tell you this, that I think that's completely false teaching. That you have to somehow take a spiritual gift survey and re-figure out what your spiritual gift is till you figure out what you can do, and then you can follow God. For instance, in my life, I promise you, I didn't think I had the gift of pastoring or shepherding or the gift of faith. I promise you, I didn't think I had that. Because I would have never said to you that I have this gift that God's going to call me in the ministry when I was in college, I wouldn't even speak in, in, a, a, or in a speech class. I wouldn't take it because I just wouldn't speak. I didn't think I had that kind of gift. I was all about doing the hands-on kind of stuff, right? But I come to find out that God called me first to preach and to pastor. And when I followed Him obediently, that's when I saw His gift in me. And some of you, you have this great excuse that you don't have to serve because you don't know what God's gifting is in your life. And some of you are like, well, I know what God's gifting is because I've taken a spiritual gift survey, but you're still not serving. 
It has nothing to do with what you figure out about your giftedness. It has everything to do with God calling you to follow Him and you obeying. When God calls you to follow Him and you obey, He'll display that gift in you. Don't think it's the other way. You never find in Scripture where God says to search out what your spiritual gift is. It doesn't say that. It tells you what a few of them are. and It tells you why they're there and why He'll use them. But it doesn't tell you to figure it out first. So what's the other thing about spiritual gifts that we have a problem with? There's pride, where people feel good about themselves. And then there's the other side that says, Oh, God, don't make me serve you. Right? Oh, God, don't let me know my spiritual gift. Don't let me know what you want to do in me. Because if you do, that's a burden that I can't bear. I don't, I don't want to have the pressure of serving you. I don't want to have the pressure of following you. I don't want to have the pressure of giving my time. I don't... Oh, this is more like it. I don't want to obey you. Isn't that what that one says? This pressure that says, I don't want to know. If I know, I'll have to serve you, so don't tell me, Lord. Don't show me where you want me. I can't tell you how many people in the church just literally refuse to ask God what He wants of them because they're afraid they're going to have to adjust their life to Him. Listen, if that's your attitude, Jesus Christ is not the active Lord of your life. You are. You are. And that's not going to go so well. It can't go well. That's sin against God. That's rebellion against God. And He is not going to let you get away with that. And you have got to come to the place where you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And here's the cool thing about this. There are varieties of gifts. And God gives each one different giftedness. So that together, we can walk through this world accomplishing God's purpose together it has nothing to do about you individually it has everything to do with god's purpose and god's plan for his church here at college heights and his church universal and when god's people step up and receive the gifts that he's given whether it's teaching or preaching or encouragement or mercy or hospitality or or service or whatever that might be and we all come together and we display those gifts together then the church is powerful I mean, it is powerful. It is powerful to the place where, as Jesus said, the gates of hell cannot stand against it, cannot prevail against it. It's powerful. And man, part of the problem within the church today is that we're missing so many gifts. Man, there are older men that should be actively seeking God and serving God within the body of, our, uh, in the body of Christ, and they're simply not doing it. We're missing them. Man, Beth was telling me the other day, about China and how they discovered that because they had this law that said you could only have one baby per family, they discovered that they are missing now a workforce that keeps them from being all that they need to be. So they're encouraging people now to have two kids per family. How generous to play God to that degree. Well, man, that's true about the church in so many ways. Man, there are so many people that are simply refusing to stand up and do what God wants them to do and everybody else within the body of Christ is, is hurting because of it. Older men, older women, younger men, younger women. Anybody out here that's not using that gift that God's given them is crippling the church. Crippling the church. Because you're simply refusing to let God use you the way He wants you to. Man, that's crazy. Because you see, it says there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
same Spirit that works in me, works in you, and can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine if we'll just let Him. Same Spirit, no different Spirit, just a variety of gifts. Then he goes on to say in verse 5, and there are varieties of ministries. This is also a cool little word. This word ministries is the same word we get our, our term deacon from and denotes ministering or serving. It's one of those cool terms that says, man, there are varieties of ministries, varieties of effects, varieties of all that God's doing in our lives. And it's, it's cool because in Acts chapter 6, this word is used for the first deacons that they called. I mean, you remember that in Acts chapter 6, there was a conflict between the Jewish widows, the naturalized Jewish widows, and the Hellenistic Greek kind of widows. And they were fighting over who got more food and all that kind of stuff. And so the apostles, when they were brought to them, said, look, this is not the ministry for us. So call out for yourselves deacons, ministers. Same word as used here. Call out for yourselves deacons so they can serve the tables. That's their ministry, serving tables. Great ministry. But then the apostles went on in the next verse, and they said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The ministry of the word there is the same word as they said called deacons. It's ministry, diakonos. And it means it's just like serving tables, but you're serving the word. There's no difference. There are varieties of ministries is my point. My point is to serve the word. That's my ministry is to preach the word, teach the word, counsel, share, help build up the body of Christ that way. But you have a different ministry. If you are a believer, I'm telling you, you have a ministry. That's the whole point of this particular verse. It's not that there are varieties of gifts and the same spirit break and no connection. It's saying that there are varieties of gifts with the same spirit and there are varieties of ministries there whereby you use your gift that God has given you under the same Lord, the same Lord controlling, ruling, leading, and guiding. Man, if you have a spiritual gift, you have a ministry. So now if I gave you all a piece of paper today and I said, write down your ministry, how many of you would give a ministry? How many of you know what it is? How many of you care? Because apparently a bunch don't care. Because a bunch don't have ministries. I mean, I know there's different ministries. Some people minister through your home, through your children. I get that. That's a ministry. I know some people feel called to minister in their job place. You better. You better be ministering in your job place. I mean, the Bible tells us that as we go, Matthew 28, right? Make disciples. You better be ministering where you are. You better recognize the ministry that God has given you. Because you have it. What is it? See, the crazy thing is, is for most of us, again, it's not about knowledge. It's not about figuring things out. It's about heart. Most of us don't want to have a ministry. Because if we had a ministry, we have to give up our personal desires and our personal wants and our personal comforts, our personal pleasures. If we wanted a ministry, we'd have to change our lives. And God surely didn't call us to change our lives. God doesn't want us to suffer. God doesn't want us to be sacrificial. God doesn't want us to be giving. God doesn't want us to, you know, be inconvenienced. 
You find that scripture for me, will you? That says any of those things. You just find that scripture for me anywhere. It doesn't say that. God wants the best for you. What is the best for you and me? The best for you and me is when God is working in us and through us and we begin to know Him and see His power. See, here's the crazy thing that that we just don't get. Most of the time, when it comes to spiritual gifts and when it comes to ministries, we choose what we're going to do without ever asking God His will and without ever seeking God's power in that. The illustration I used this morning was mowing the yard. You can mow the churchyard anytime you want to. Amen? And honestly, that can be your God-called ministry, and it can be an awesome ministry. If that's what God wants for you, and if you are letting God use that giftedness in you, and if His Spirit is working through you to mow that yard, Because if you are working in God's spirit mowing the yard, God will use you to encourage believers and to lead lost people to to salvation. He'll use you to build his kingdom. But if you haven't asked God and you just look at yourself and you go, you know what, I can mow a yard, so I'll just go mow the yard. And, And you don't really care to ask God what his will is beyond that. Not only are you not honoring God and not building up his kingdom, but you're probably breaking it and tearing it down. Now I know some of you are going, okay, preacher, I'll just quit doing those things I can do. We'll see how it goes for you. I bet there's somebody saying that. Well, go ahead. Uh, (laughs) I didn't say that to make you mad. Truth is, is I'd rather you not do it if it's not led and empowered by the Spirit of God. Because if you're doing it, then the guy that's really called to mow yards for the glory of God is missing out. And honestly, I'd rather the grass grow up as high as my head till the guy that's called to mow the yard steps out and in the spirit and the power of God begins to mow and God begins to transform lives through him. Wouldn't you? You see, here's the deal, man. It says there are a variety of gifts and there are varieties of ministries. Same spirit and same Lord. But here's the kicker. There are varieties of effects in how God uses those gifts and those ministries. And the crazy thing about this word for effects is it's the Greek word for energy. I mean, it literally means there are a variety of energies. Let me read a literal translation of this that's a little hard to to see, but this is what it says literally if you translate this from the Greek. It says, and there are divisions of results of energy, but the same God, the one energizing the all in all. That's what verse 6 says, literally. And I love this, because there are divisions of results of energy. What in the world is energy? It's the thing that makes us go. It's the force that makes us effective. It's the thing that leads us and empowers us. And where does that energy come from? From God himself. From God himself. Now what he's saying to us about these spiritual gifts is that God gives us the gifts. And he gives us the ministries. And then it's he that works through those gifts and those ministries to accomplish what he wants. It's not about us. It's not about what we can do. It's not about what we know. It's not about our skills. It's about God accomplishing what he wants to in us. 
And man, you want to be excited? Just see God accomplish something in you that you could not do. And you're going to be excited. Because He's a great God. He's a powerful God. He's a wise God, a strong God, a merciful God. And man, if you'll just open up your life to Him and follow Him and let Him use you, you're going to begin to know Him. Like most Christians in America don't even have a clue about knowing Him. Most of us won't even risk the opportunity to see God do something powerful in our lives. So we limit ourselves to do the things that we think we can do, hoping that God will come along and bless us. And God's saying, that's not the way it works. God comes along when you follow Him. When you follow Him, you don't have to wonder whether He's with you or not. You know you're with Him. He comes when you follow Him. And I love what it says as it says here, and there are various or a variety of effects, but the same God who, who works all things in all persons. The word works is the same word, different form as the word effects. It literally means that it's God who is energizing all things in all of us. You never, ever energize your ministry on your own. Never, ever. If your ministry is about your ability, then your ministry is zilch. Zero. Nada. Nothing. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Man, we have built our churches on what we can do. Haven't we? Is anybody listening? Have we built our churches on what we can do, or have we built our churches on God's power working in us? Yeah, we've built it on what we can do more times than not. I'm just telling you, come to our business meetings when there's something overwhelming, something, a few thousand dollars that we don't have here or there, and hear us whine and moan and groan as if God's not going to build His church over a couple of thousand dollars or a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Who cares what it is? We build our church on us, right? No wonder our church has no guts, no strength, no power. Listen, before you go from here, let me tell you, I believe Calatites is closer than some. I really do. But I'm going to tell you a telltale sign that reveals a great deal about Calatites. Today's ministry fair, right? So this afternoon, all of our leaders, or at least all those that will show up, and all those who are interested in ministry are going to show up. There's over 300 people that are going to come here this morning and they're going to worship the Lord, at least, quote-unquote, worship the Lord. And this afternoon when ministry fair starts, there will be a whole bunch that have no concern for it, no heart for it, no desire for it, and no commitment to it. The Calatites won't be anywhere close to seeing all the gifts of God that He's given to us used for the common good. You see, that's what verse 7 says. And that's the shocker. Verse 7 says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Man, the gifts that you've been given are a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, it's a revelation of the power of God in your life. The gift that you've been given. It's the thing that then shows the world that God is alive and well in you, the manifestation of the Spirit, that you've been given that 
not for you, not for your family, but for the common good, for the good of College Heights Baptist Church, for the good of the church universal, and I'm convinced of the good of the common city of Casper, state of Wyoming, nation of the United States, and the world. Because, man, when you follow God and you use the gift that God has given you and you surrender to the ministry he's called you to and he accomplishes his effects through you, then everybody on earth, everybody, is touched and blessed through you as you work through his church. Is that not a little bit shocking to others? I'm here to tell you, part of what I'm surprised by is the simple, small visions that we've created of what God wants to do. God's not just concerned about you and your family. He's concerned about every family here this morning. God's not just concerned about our family here at College Heights. He's concerned about every Bible-preaching, Christ-honoring church in Casper. He's not just concerned about every Bible-preaching, Christ-honoring church in Casper. He's concerned about every body of Christ throughout Wyoming and the United States and around the world. And he's not just concerned about those that are already his. He's concerned about those that are lost. He's concerned about the common good of this entire planet today. And every single person, because he knows every hair on your head, he's concerned about us. And he has called us as his body to step up, to use our gifts, to minister through the power of the Spirit, that he might accomplish his effects for the common good of the world. And we don't have a small vision. God does not have a small vision. He is not a small God. What he is trying to say to us through this passage of Scripture is that he has a greater purpose for us. For you, he has a greater purpose. For me, he has a greater purpose. For our church, he has a greater purpose. And that purpose can only be found as we walk together. You understand that? As we walk together, it cannot be found any other way. So here's the question. I shared it earlier. You hear the truth. I mean, many of you are believers here. Many of you at least would claim to be believers. And God's Word says that He has a gift that He's already given you and a ministry that He wants you to use it in and a power that He wants to work in you and through you in conjunction with his body for the common good. But the question is, will you change your life so that he can do that? That's the question. He's not asking you for part of your time. He's not asking you for part of your service. He's not asking you for part of your heart. He's not asking you for part of your resources. He's asking you for everything. He's everything. And he wants everything. And here's the joy. If you just let go just let go of whatever you're holding on to, insecurities or fear or pride or person or the world, just let go. And God would do this incredible work in your life. And you would for the first time possibly have this testimony that says, I have seen God. I know Him. He's personal and He's intimate and He's powerful. He's mine. Because many of you can't say that. You've never let him be God to you. You've never tried. 
Michelle Bolin was here. She's going on the trip to Bulgaria and Romania. And uh, I, I shared this, so I, I don't think she'll mind. But I asked her before church, I said, how you doing? Are you rested from your last trip? And are you excited about going? She says, well, I'm not completely rested, and I'm pretty anxious, actually. And I said, well, good. <laughs> That's good. Because that means you're going to need the Lord. You're going to need Him deeply. And here's the cool thing about Michelle. Michelle, in the midst of her fear, in the midst of her anxiety, in the midst of losing all her comfort and throwing it aside, has said, I'm going. I'm going. Michelle's not quite sure what God wants from her and what God wants to do in her, but she's going to find out because she's going. And she's going to come back. And I promise you not because I'm some kind of seer. I promise you because I know my God that Michelle's going to come back and she's going to say, God did more than I could have ever imagined in and through my life. I am so thankful that I went so I could have seen God work. She's going to have a testimony like many of us never have. All because she's willing to say, I know God has equipped me and I know God has a ministry for me and I know it's all up to God to accomplish what He wants to accomplish so I'm going to go. Are you going to go? I'm not talking about Bulgaria. I'm talking about maybe across the street. I'm talking about maybe your coworker. I'm talking about maybe to another believer. Are you going to go and do what God wants you to do? Or are you going to rebel again? Put up your hands and say, God, I want you in my life, but I don't want you any closer than this. If that's you today, if that's what you're saying to God right now, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a God that's no closer than this. And all you're going to have left when you put your hands down is you. Is that what you want? And if you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not part of any of this. You're not a part of His body. You've not been given a gift. You don't have a ministry. You don't know Him and you don't know His power because your sin has separated you from God. And you stand condemned today by God because of your sin. But Jesus Christ died that you might be forgiven of your sins. He became your sin that through faith in Him you can be saved. <coughs> His desire for you today to be saved. To admit you're a sinner and admit that Christ is a Savior. And as we pray, do business with God today. Let God speak to your heart. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I love you and I thank you for your word. And I ask that you would accomplish great and mighty things through your word. It is your job to bring about the effects that you want to see done. And it is our job to surrender and obey. So for those that are lost, Lord, I pray that you would convict them that they need salvation through faith in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, they'd believe that Jesus is alone, the only way to salvation. For those that are here that they're believers, but they're so disconnected from you and from your body. Father, would you call them back to that intimate relationship whereby you'll work through them and minister through them and change the world through them that we might walk together, follow you, Lord. Father, as we respond to you, receive the glory and honor you deserve. Lord God, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we respond this morning.